It's time to get informed and inspired. This is Saturday Morning Live, sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Good morning, Whatcom County. I am Ashley Buttonshown, your host for Saturday Morning Live today. And in the studio, I have, for a great treat, brought my husband, Chad Buttonshown, along with Port Commissioner Ken Bell. Good morning, you two. No you, one wants to say hi. Me first. <laughs> Good morning, Ken and Ashley. <laughs> Good morning, So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the port and maybe the jail today. So I brought my husband along because he was on a committee for the jail little while ago and I thought maybe he could contribute this morning so uh, we'll see how much he talks. Uh, Ken, welcome. We're we're gonna take our first break here in a second but Ken why don't you give us a little bit of an update of what the port's been up to. We've had a busy year um, and I think some, one of the most contentious things that uh, we did this year was we uh, we actually started moving <clears throat> commodities off our shipping terminal. Uh, ABC Recycling signed a long-term uh, contract with us for uh, leasing our, our port properties, and for the first time in 20 years, we actually had commodities moving out of our shipping terminal. So since the shutdown of, of GP, nothing has moved off that uh, shipping terminal dock. Well, you can't imagine the uproar uh, when all of a sudden there's noise uh, in the night and in the first thing in the morning. Oh yeah, uh, when there's been silence for 20 years, right? But uh, ABC has been stockpiling steel there, and they took their first uh, uh, load out. It was about Four and a half million, five million dollars worth of scrap steel that went to India, <clears throat> which is a tremendous amount of um, commerce for the port and for the city. And when you think about the number of jobs that we have, <clears throat> we have uh, a tremendous amount of our laborers local for the first time in 20 years had every one of their local employees employed here in Bellingham and not somewhere else. So our laborers local used to ship their people out to Anacortes down south to Everett to get work. For the first time, they were here, and they hired eight more people. Oh, wow. um, so we had full employment with our, our shipping terminal. We had employees that are going to be long-term employees here in the city of Bellingham, all of them making great money, um, all of them doing great things, and plus the, the support services that came with that because everything breaks down. We had a, a number of trucks out there doing service. So the, the commerce that we brought to the port just through having one ship from ABC go out, and it's going to be back for another five to seven times next year doing the same thing. But it was noisy, and, <laughs> and people in uh, the neighborhoods got used to it being quiet. You know, if, if GP were still running, uh, that would have just been background noise to what was going on in every day. But when you get 20 years of silence, um, and then all of a sudden you have a lot of commerce, it, it's like a clanging gong. What what changed? So GP, like you said, has been gone for twenty years. What what prevented us from utilizing that? There was a lot of repair. So first of all, we had to do cleanup. When uh, when GP went down, the entire area was contaminated. So it took us twenty years just to get the cleanup and the repairs done to the dock that needed to be done to be utilizing it. GP had their own way of using things, and it wasn't necessarily the way we would do it uh, on a commercial basis. So we had to get it, you know retrofitted and get it ready for uh, commercial use again. Well, I can imagine 20 years later, regulations might be a slightly different, too. Well, the cleanup just took forever. I mean, it, that place was just a mess, um, and it cost us more, and it took us long, more, longer than we thought it would. But it was certainly quiet. So, so people complained? So, yeah, people complained. And, you know, we're really unapologetic. I'm unapologetic, I'll say you know, about what we've done for the community because the whole idea for a port is that we are a port city. Uh, mm -hmm. There are very few places in the country that have the ability to move commerce in and out. We happen to have that here. They don't have that in Wyoming. They don't, they don't have that in Montana, right? So right. we can move things from Asia. We can move things to India. I mean, and it was just an example of what is possible. And when you think about $5 million of commerce on one ship, imagine what we can do to the city if we can just keep those people employed, bring more in. Um, and we bring it back to life, which is really what's necessary down there. How many people are you currently employing? Well, that job down there employed 18 yeah. full-time laborers, not counting the support service, services and subcontractors that were on the job. So we utilized a bunch of trucks that had never been used. We've used you know, cranes that had never been used. Uh, and we got a lot of people trained 
on equipment that they never used. So um, it would the, the overall benefit to the community was tremendous. So do you guys have plans for the near future to expand that? Yeah, we, we now that it's there, um, our job is to just fill it up. Mm-hmm. So we're also moving rock down to the Columbia River. So you've seen big boulders running around town on the back of trucks. They're coming out of Skagit. They're going on a barge that has, is headed down to a reclamation project in uh, along the Columbia River. So we're going to keep doing that, but we also have a couple more things in our in our hopper that we're just waiting to close um, because now we've got a working shipping terminal and tools. What's a reclamation project? So the uh, Columbia River just needed some boulders to uh, slow down the water flow and to allow fish to go back upstream with some safe havens, with some shadows, um, with some places to hide, nooks and crannies. So they've got these large boulders that are just going up the Columbia to allow the fish safe passage back up. Because when they dredge it out, they took all of that down with it. Mm-hmm. It didn't give the fish a good, safe passage on the way up. So it, it's that's also a good good project for us. Yeah, it sounds like maybe a good one to even study for our own river management. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot to be studied. Yeah. So what do you think, as far as jobs coming to the port, maybe in the next two years, how many more jobs do you think you guys will bring? Well, we're on a roll. So um, when we look at what the port is doing, um, and we have on our plate, I'll just go, you know, south to north. We've refurbished the uh, Fairhaven shipping terminal. We've now got a, a long-term tenant in there that's actually paying their bills hmm. and, um, and doing work in all of our old facilities. It used to be All-American Marine, but they vacated and it was empty for a while. Um, it is now being utilized and it is um, paying rent and they're, and they're hiring employees. Uh, you move north, we're working uh, very hard on the um, waterfront district. We've got more containers coming into the container village. We've got new interest in people coming in there. That's that's absolutely going to grow and is going to grow more interest in the water. We've got a hotel convention center um, that went out to bid last year. Is now been uh, we've selected a vendor. Much needed. <clears throat> You're going to see more rooms, more housing there. Mercy Housing um, is another one that's back off the Cornwall, back in the back section of the waterfront district. They're going to bring um, workforce and low-income housing uh, to the back, and they're also going to be putting in a um, an apprenticeship-type uh, campus to that location so that you've got some job training to go with the workers that and the, uh, the low-income um, housing residents. It's all, all combined, so you've got that going to go in next year. You've got the Hotel Convention Center. Harcourt is finishing up the second of its two buildings. You're going to start mm-hmm. to see that structure go up from, oh, wow. from where it is. That's been a it's long been time picked, in the works. Yeah, you go down there now, you'll see, you'll see, you can see the framework. You're going to see the second one of those go in. You've got 98 condos that are going to go in, and that's got a deadline of uh, November 2023 to have an occupancy permit. So the entire downtown waterfront district is going to be incredibly active mm. uh, in the next few years, and there's going to be a tremendous number of jobs that go in there. How, how's the introduction of Southwest been? Boy, that, thank you for asking. Yeah. So Southwest has doubled down. They've they've taken gates um, that we didn't expect them to take. They have just introduced a new flight to Denver, uh, which means that oh we're going to have access to the east from there. So Southwest's first venture into that is going to be next year. Um, I don't care who you are, anybody listening. If you even thinking about going east, go to Denver sometime next year. Just buy up those tickets so that Southwest on this little test project that they've got, you know, even if you just want to go to Denver and come back, please do. Because we want to keep the eastward movement of Southwest Airlines in, in our system. They've been a great partner for us. They've invested a lot in our airport. They've hired a lot of people. Um, so Southwest and the air, airlines has been amazing. So that's, that's what I was alluding to. So with the introduction of Southwest, that's created new job opportunities at the airport. Yeah, not just it's, – it's kept the hotels full. The fact that the Canadian border is back open is just a huge bonus for not only our airport, but the rest of our commerce, the commerce in our city. I mean, you're starting to see a lot more Canadian plates here. You're starting to see a lot more traffic out of the airport. Costco's um, busier. You've been there? <laughs> I haven't had the guts to go. Yeah. I must have the courage. <laughs> everything is busy, but but just what Southwest is going to do here, we're going to start to see more eastward movement of flights. Um, they now recognize that we can now draw a good crowd out of Bellingham. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a direct flight from here to, to Denver. And it's not here until April, but uh, please make some plans right away if I could sell that. And that's, and then I'm going to head north up into Blaine. And what we're doing in Blaine is also creating um, essentially a, uh, not only do we have our full, um, our, our, all of our slips are full, but we're really investing 
in the infrastructure from the, the seafood processing um, industry. Um, that area is just flourishing, and, and we're um, building up new, new commerce in that area. I think Drayton Harbor, not only does it have the best oysters on the planet, but I think it's going to be a destination location at some point. I think Blaine will become known for what we do, not only in that harbor, but mm-hmm. also the infrastructure that we've put in place. Well, I heard Hama Hama is pretty good, too. <laughs> I was about to say he's going to have to wrestle Dan for that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> Former Port Commissioner Dan Robbins <laughs> might have some steak in Hama Hama oysters and think it's the best on the planet, too. Who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good morning, Dan. All right, we're going to take our break here. (laughs) We'll be right back. Hey, how was the grocery store? Everything is getting more and more expensive. I know. I stopped to get gas today and the price has gone back up. We need to talk about the budget again. The cold weather is here and we're going to need a new furnace or maybe a heat pump. I'm not sure which. Well, I was talking to Joe and he recommended Linden Sheet Metal. They had a new heat pump put in. The guys that came out to install it were professional, and the heat pump works great. He also said there's up to $2,400 in rebates that we can tap into. That sounds great. Rebates and energy savings with a new furnace or heat pump? Let's call Linden Sheet Metal and make an appointment. Call Linden Sheet Metal today and talk to us about staying warm this winter. Because in a world where it seems everything is more expensive, there are ways to save on installation and monthly utility bills. And we can also help with low monthly payments. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. This is Dick Donahue with Asset Advisors, and for over 12 years, we have been bringing you Wealth Wake Up every Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, we focus on investment management, retirement, tax planning topics, and some of the political influences on your planning for the future. And on Sunday, we focus on the latest economic updates for the United States and globally. During these challenging political and economic times, we try to provide you the latest information to assist you in your decision making. Call us at 360-733-1200. Go to our website at Wealth Wake up.com and join us live at 11 a.m. on Saturdays or 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings here on KGMI. The opinions voiced on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up are not affiliated with CWM LLC. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. Here in the studio with me is Port Commissioner Ken Bell, and my husband has joined us this morning, Chad Buttonshone. So we were just talking about the port and updates, and uh, we've moved on to what's going on in Blaine. Anything else in Blaine that you're that you guys are up to? Rebuilding the dock, and we're uh, working with the city of Blaine to there's a there's a, a private street that goes out to all those fishing communities out there, and we we'd, mm-hmm. we'd eventually like to take and uh, take ownership of that road, build it out, and go out to the the end of the dock and rebuild that um, and make it something special as well. We just think that it's been um, underutilized and undervalued for a number of years. Okay, and you guys own property out in Sumas too? Is uh, no, we just sold. Okay, uh, we. The, the property we had in Sumas, and this is a philosophical uh, position that I hold, um, the port's job is to create the commerce, and all of the property we had in Sumas was 100% built out. Mm-hmm. Every, everything, we could do no, we could add no more value to that property. The customer that had it, if you give them ownership of it, willing to put money into it, to invest in it, to build it up, but as long as it belongs to the port, they're just tenants. Right. right, and so really, the best thing we could do for that property out there was sell it to the the current tenant, which we did, mm-hmm. and they're investing more money. They're building their business because they plan to be there now that they own it for a long period of time. Yeah, I've and, seen some activity out there, so that's why I wondered yeah, if, if you guys sold it. It really is kind of the Blaine is really just growing like crazy. It's, mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be a, a mecca for people coming in from Canada going to be the first stop across the border. There's going to be more housing built there than there is any place else in the county. Yeah, I hadn't realized until recently how uh, populated Birch Bay is, too. Birch yeah. Bay has a lot of people out there. That's a true statement. Yeah. Yeah. So so Blaine and Birch Bay, now with the border being open, are 
Uh, they're they're definitely kind of popping. No, <laughs> they're making fun of me. They're, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, th- that whole area is popping. And and really, when I go back, I'm going to redirect this a little bit back to the waterfront. And one one of the things that concerns me most um, as as a port commissioner is when I signed up for this gig. It was economic development. It was how do you take our properties? How do you maximize them? How do you build on the port? And what we found is that now we've become a part of what the social fabric has become. Mm-hmm. We're now worried about things that impact our employment. We're worried about homelessness, which is really not something the port should be involved in. We're worried about child care. Um, th- those are not things that you would say a port commissioner should be spending his time on or their time on. No, time. And, but the port has a very large budget. And, Everyone and wants a, a piece of it. We've also got um, – we don't have the same leadership challenges that they have with bigger commissions. You know, we've got a three-member commission, so we can make decisions with just uh, a couple of us, and we've got an executive director that that is a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you do is you find yourself finding those barriers to employment, and you find those things that are slowing down our economy, and those are things that the port has to be involved in now that we didn't used to have to be involved in. Why? Because nobody else is. And it's effective our employment. And if we really, really want to impact employment, we have to do something about homelessness and crime because it's impacting people coming into the community and it's impacting employers. People are leaving here. I guess what I'm asking is you said that generally the port doesn't associate or get involved with homelessness. What has caused you to have to get involved with it? A leadership vacuum. It's quite City of Bellingham, here. Whatcom County, or everywhere, everywhere. It, 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 this isn't just Whatcom County. This is nationwide. If if this were just something that we saw in the county, and we could just say, "Look, this is the local leaders." This is a a, a leadership vacuum everywhere. Right. There there is a there has been a culture shift, and that culture shift has not been good for um, commerce. It's not been good for anybody looking around can say life has changed. And life has not changed necessarily for the better. No. We're more divided. We're more contentious. Um, we're not taking care of issues the way we used to take care of issues. It used to be people would step up and there would be leadership. But now it, everything has become so political and everything has become so um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I don't have the word. People have – you've got to have a committee to decide something, and it didn't – we just don't have the ability to bring parties together to make something happen anymore. And it used to be that somebody would make a good call and they'd say, oh, not necessarily what I would have done, but it's going to advance the ball down the field. Yeah, there's not a lot of willingness to bring the ideas to the table anymore. It's this is my table. You can sit here, but don't talk. Well, and the way I like to describe it is um, everybody's got a brake pedal. Mm-hmm. Nobody's got a gas pedal. And if they do have a gas pedal, the guy with the brake pedal has got a stronger pull than you do. So it slows everything down. It right. stops everything. So you can have a great idea. And I'll talk about it, it goes from what the program before this with the water adjudication or it goes with homelessness or it goes with anything in those arenas where somebody will complain. And you bring a solution to the table. Next thing you know, you've got somebody hollering at you and everybody throws on the brake pedal because mm-hmm. you can't. There's no way to advance the ball. That's not leadership. What that is is that's responding to critics, and you you just got to have leadership at every level. This isn't just a Whatcom County thing. Well, it's become that if you can be embarrassed by something, you should just stop. Well, Stop what you're doing no matter what. And so if there is a couple loud voices who don't like what you're doing and they can publicize it, then you should just stop. I've just seen so many things where you, you, you start to make headway and then all of a sudden you have somebody chirp in from somewhere and mm-hmm. and one of the leaders in the community will stop and say wait a minute we have to address that issue over there first <clears throat> that's not that's not how you lead you lead by saying this is where i want to go and you go until you find a wall and and find a way to go around that wall um but that that culture is gone and right. i think that's why we have a lot of the issues we have I, you just can't deal with issues the way you used to Right, and, and speaking of issues, um, you know, you were talking about child care. And so that this this child care um, proposition that's come, that was just on the ballot has, it's very, very, very close to being flipped right now. And 
and I just looked, and the the count hasn't been updated. It looks like it'll get updated in a couple of days. But that is one that not that doesn't really toe party line. That one, you have people all over the place who support or do not support it. Can you explain it a little bit? Can I explain? Well, the proposition, um, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's very complex, but the, the thing is, is it gives the, uh, health department more funding in order to subsidize childcare. And, and so, I mean, that's in a nutshell, but it's a lot of money and it, so for every $500,000 of property value, assessed value, it's a hundred dollars more um, on your property taxes, and that's a ten over ten years. So, as we can assume, we would hope that our values keep going up, but they've been going up pretty sharply. And so, in ten years, you can imagine how much a house might might be. And that's just that's just one tax. And so, the EMS all that one did pass. That's add taxes. So we're just adding tax upon tax upon tax all the time. But I know Ken. Um, you've had concerns about the child care one, and, yep. and so have some of the county council members, but not all. And and again, like I said, this does not tow party line. This one, no, and and, and quite frankly, it is a, it, it's a conundrum because um, we need child care. Yeah, you, you go to you go to any one of the big employers in town, and I could just start to list them, and they actually work their schedules around employees that need child care. If, mm-hmm. if they've got an employee that can't get child care, they've got to shift their schedule for jobs. I know a construction company here in town that, that literally finds out what their child care availability is before they schedule a project with somebody involved because they've got to have that taken care of. It is hindering employers, and it is a, a big issue. And I think part of what the business community is looking at when they look at this kind of proposition Give me some help. Give me any help. Right. Right. So I don't care what it is, but somebody's got to do something. Mm-hmm. And again, that's from my standpoint, that's a little backward thinking. Um, the plan needs to be put in place. Um, I would have been much happier with a plan that didn't include um, a bunch of grants coming in and, and sorting out the details of what was going to happen later. Right. What the real need was in child care. Now, this also encompasses early childhood where we've got, you know, kids in poverty that um, have issues when they get to school and can't learn because of whatever's going on at home. And that's part of what this was going to fund. What we're doing in our culture, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is we're creating a lot of nets for people who are falling. And we're not addressing the root cause of what's having those kids fall. If you've got an abused kid, by the time that kid gets to school, whatever abuse happened in that kid's life mm-hmm. has already been planted. Right. Right. You, you start to abuse a kid as an infant, and, and the damage is done. And so we're trying to fix it. <clears throat> we're trying to fix it by putting a net there, catching that kid, and then addressing the problem after the fact. Well, there's permanent damage that's been done. Right. And so. It's a much bigger question than just putting a bunch of grants out, I think. Yeah, and well, this is kind of the cycle. That's kind of a dirty cycle that we have contributed to in Whatcom County. And so this, I mean, it's funny how the child care discussion can kind of feed into the health, the, or the jail discussion and the mental health discussion because the these homes that the children, these children who are possibly eligible for this are in, might have a direct result from our lack of being able to rehabilitate people, our lack of taking care of people who really need help. So, you know, I think I, I think that, yes, we need child care and we, we need it in a big way, but I don't know that this is the answer, and I don't know that people can afford it, to be quite honest. No, and, and when... We'll I'll, take a break. I'll get to this after yeah. the break. Yeah, we'll come right back. Now is the time to upgrade your mattress and save big during DeWard & Bodie's Black Friday mattress sale. Shop now for Black Friday doorbuster deals and the lowest prices of the year on the largest and best selection of mattresses available from Linden to Mount Vernon. Visit DeWard & Bodie's mattress showroom in Bellingham this weekend to find the lowest possible prices on the best selection of Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and Sealy mattresses available in Whatcom or Skagit County. Now through Monday, DeWard & Bodie will pay your sales tax 
checks on select in-stock mattresses or get a free adjustable base with purchase of select in-stock mattress sets this weekend. Plus, pay no money down and no interest for up to six years on select mattresses and DeWard & Bodie will deliver, set up, and haul away your old mattress for free. Now is the time to score the lowest prices of the year on the largest and best selection of mattresses during DeWard & Bodie's Black Friday mattress sale at the main showroom in Bellingham on the guide next to Marshall's. Financing OAC offer qualifications apply. Are you searching for the perfect gifts for the adventurers on your list? The annual holiday sale at LFS Marine and Outdoor in Bellingham is happening now. LFS has a great selection of items that'll please everyone on your list. If you're tired of battling with the crowds, LFS will put a smile on your face. LFS offers a low-stress shopping experience with quality products, uncrowded aisles, and lots of free parking. LFS is proud to feature the favorite outdoor brands in the Pacific Northwest, like Extra Tough, Muck, Grundon, Salmon Sisters, Smart Woolen, Columbia. LFS is featuring special pricing on everything for the adventurer, including clothing and shoes, fishing and boating gear, Kachemak inflatable boats, and even electric coolers. They also have a great selection of Northwest-inspired stocking stuffers. You'll find something fun for everyone on your shopping list. And speaking of shopping, stay tuned. Ladies' Night is back at LFS next Friday night. Happy holidays from LFS Marine and Outdoor. Open Monday through Saturday from 8 to 5, closed Sunday at Squalicum Harbor in Bellingham or online at GoToMarine.com. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, located in Bellingham on Kentucky Street, is here for your auto repair and service needs. Trusted and affordable auto repair in Bellingham for over 25 years. Ask about their oil change and maintenance inspections. You can hear Brian from Dr. John's Auto Clinic every Saturday on In the Shop on Newstalk 790 KGMI. Or check out Dr. John's Auto Clinic at djautoclinic.com. And on Facebook for the latest in auto repair news. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, reliable, honest, and a part of this community for over 25 years. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. Time to hit up the mom and pop stores today on this Small Business Saturday. Greg Holden owns one in Bridgeport, West Virginia. Everybody used to shop in small shops, and then all the big box stores comes, and we're trying to get people to come back to the small shops. Ukraine has been hit hard by Russian missile strikes, and millions are without heat, water, and electricity. President Zelensky, in his nightly address through an interpreter. If electricity is available, it doesn't mean you can switch on several power-hungry electric appliances at once. He denounced Russia for crimes against humanity. The flu, RSV, and COVID, they are all around and could spread even more through the holiday season. CBS's Rick Selinger. Getting vaccinated is our best tool. Seeing people wearing masks is getting less common. But doctors and health officials warn it's not time to let your guard down, even though we are more protected. CBS News Brief. I'm Stacey Lynn. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm your host, Ashley Buttonshone. Here in the studio with me is Chad Buttonshone and Port Commissioner Ken Bell, along with maybe one of his little furry friends. So we're going to get back into this. We, we were talking about child care and the proposition that is on the ballot and still has not been decided. It's very, very close. Um, currently, it's losing, but with the number of ballots left out there, it looks like it could go either way. Uh, we were kind of having a discussion in the break about uh, about about this and, and how some of the support for it has been from companies that um, would like to see child care. And I think we all would like to see child care, but this further regulates child care and is going to and, and possibly make it so we lose child care before we get more child care. And on top of that, some of these companies who would like to see child care in our area to bring in more employment those people that they would employ wouldn't even qualify for for this. So it's just it's it's something worth diving into. I don't know that we have the time today as we move on, but I think as we were we were kind of talking that this cycle that we've got here and and the children that would qualify for this probably absolutely need it. Um, but maybe we can stop the cycle by doing other things differently as well. 
So, Ken, you were kind of talking about well, it, it, fentanyl. It goes into, well, I was going to go there. Yeah, yeah. It goes into our, our mental health system. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the whole concept of, of a drug-addicted culture, which is where we're becoming, um, and what we're seeing on the streets, it's just more insidious. Uh, fentanyl is so cheap. You can get a fentanyl pill for five bucks. Yeah. Um, when when it was oxy oxy um, oxycodone oxycontin, mm-hmm. those have a longer half life. So you you basically have you get your high. Yep. And, and as soon as you come off that high, that's when you suddenly feel like you got to have more. You're going to die. Well, for oxy, that was an extended period of time. So you you had a, a schedule that was much longer. With fentanyl, it's hours. So you get a $5 fentanyl pill, you're high for a couple hours, and then within a couple hours more, you got to have another one or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And so you can go through three or four or five pills a day or you feel like you're going to die. So imagine that dependency and that panic constantly in your brain and the fentanyl feeding that. All it's doing is creating just— But for 25 bucks a day, you're you can be all high all day. And, and, the, and the rapid access of all of that. That's why I see all of this is a much bigger issue than we can fix here in Watkins County because it's, it's everywhere. Right. We've got a cultural shift that doesn't want to stop that. Mm-hmm. And we've got to stop that. And we, we're losing our nuclear family. We're losing, um, we're losing the, the idea that we're responsible for our own lives and for our children's lives. And we're looking to somebody else to fix our problems for us. Absolutely. And at some level, we've got to fix them. And, and we don't do anything well until we take that responsibility on ourselves. Yeah, and the more the government just hands out, the more, unfortunately, people get comfortable and we'll just keep taking. We lose the incentive. Mm-hmm. We lose the incentive to do it ourselves well, because and it's I, taken care of for us. And I'll say that this is, just a, this is something that's been going on my entire life. I'm a lot older than you guys. No. But we we essentially farmed our kids off to be taught. We farmed our kids off. I will even go to church. We farmed our kids off to Sunday school. Mm -hmm. So religion didn't become something we taught them at home. Everywhere we go, we farm people off to go have somebody else take that responsibility for them. And then we point to them when it doesn't happen right. So we point to the teachers and say, you didn't teach my kids or you taught my kids the wrong thing. Well, we did it. Yeah. You know, we didn't take the responsibility of, of being involved in that process along the way. And, again, this is one of my pet peeves about about my my church life you send the kids up to sunday school and you think they're getting the gospel right they're not no they're playing they're They're, making graphs and playing games it's fed at home we as parents have that responsibility to model for our kids you know i was having that discussion with somebody the other day when they were talking about the fentanyl epidemic within the school system right and i don't have a great concern for my children you know as it as it you know to fentanyl itself because I feel that my children have been raised correctly enough that I don't have to have that concern for them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So even if there is a ton of fentanyl around them, which there seems to be within this community, right, I don't necessarily worry about them getting involved with it just because of the family structure that they have had up to this point and the decisions that I know they will make. Mm -hmm. So, But I worry... The, being the same children, I worry that they will accidentally come across that. And it only takes, you know, once or twice or 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 really, I mean, I, I don't worry about my kids seeking it out. Um, I think my kids think that cigarettes are as bad as meth. I, I think we've done a great job of brainwashing them. It might not even be true or accurate, but as, they, as long as they have that fear, I've let them have it. Um, but, but the thing is, is that I, I do have that fear that something accidental will happen because it's just roaming around our communities. And it's we live in Linden where people think it's, I mean, it is this kind of weird little bubble, but it's made it to Bender Fields. During COVID, we saw drugs being sold by mothers at Bender Field. Yeah, it's not it's not isolated. Nothing is isolated. No. And, and you're right. And I've got a son-in-law who's a police officer, and their biggest fear in the police force is that they're going to come across it somewhere accidentally. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you get a hit. You, you've got a hit, and it has its impact, and it's immediate. So there is a tremendous fear um, around accidental exposure even. Yeah, and, and that's kind of, it's sad, though. We've created now another cultural thing where it 
kids and parents, everybody's fearful of anybody who might come offer you something or, you know, at a park. If It used to be normal in Linden if there were cookies, everyone would share. Can't have anything anymore from someone who might just be in your neighborhood. Don't take anything anymore. No, and I, I remember the uh, the homeless community and, and the mental health issues of, of my youth. When I say that back in the 70s and 80s, so that dates me, doesn't it? Um, you had the old drunks that were coming off the train on their way from Minnesota on their way to San Diego, and they were coming through, and they were drunks. They were just, you know, they, they, the term went then was bums. Mm-hmm. We watched a shift in the late 80s, early 90s, where the homeless crowd became much younger. Right. And the drugs became more insidious. And all of a sudden, mental health issues became much more prevalent. Um, so you saw a real shift happening back in those days, and it was never addressed. And all we've done is seen it get worse. And it doesn't matter how many billions of dollars, and I do mean billions with a B, we throw into treatment or homelessness, or it, all it's done is exacerbated the problem. So the, the solutions have got to be personal responsibility-based. When you this is, that's the thing is in, you've got to find where do we make this hard you know turn to somewhere else because you we talk about the child care so you've got these kids who are high risk kids in the system well most of those children end up teens who are using and then they end up having children who they've either they've been taken away or they've been neglectful because they're in and out of the prison system and so we've created this cycle but at the me and in the meantime we're just giving away food stamps and and anything that they're needing to to survive on the outside of being in jail it's just given away to them and there's no really quality of life anymore no the, and you are seeing the patterns um, it, it, the first thing I want to dissuade you I, I do think that the the end result of the initiative would have resulted in more child care I think there's clearly there was a path there to get more child care on the ground mm-hmm. so I just I just kind of wanted to yeah bounce back a little bit at that but I also want to say that th- this is legacy stuff that we're dealing with now that you get a you get a generation a family that has a problem and it gets passed down to the next generation so we've got to somehow figure out a way to stop that before it starts and we've got to get to the point where you know having a child in this environment is one where you have a serious discussion about that you have a discussion about can you can you deal with this you know where you come from mm-hmm. Are you? How are you going to not pass that on? Right. Uh, and it and it's intervention at that level that will save more children from becoming, rather than waiting until they've fallen through, and collecting them, um, because all you've done then is just passed on that seed, which will then grow into the same dysfunction that their parents had. Right. And not to say that there isn't a need for those who need assistance. True need, because there is, and there are people who have just down and out, and things happen. But we've made it just the way of life. No, and I've, there's nobody that has more compassion for somebody caught up in addiction than me. Right. I, mean, I get it. And, and it is something you can't get out of and you feel helpless, right? You're in that position. So putting the right tools on the ground to not enable that activity is, is really what's important. Because once you, once you get caught up in addiction, the only thing that matters to you is the fix. It's the drug. It, mm-hmm. talks, it talks louder than anything it talks louder than your moral compass it talks louder than your neighbors it talks louder than your wife obviously it talks louder than your family because you're leaving your family to go get the drug right right so it it is all consuming by the time you've gotten there it needs to be addressed in a different manner because the drug is talking not you well and it's heartbreaking to watch because we don't have i don't feel the right tools to help those people here we now have uh, I've learned in this last year for pro- for profit methadone clinics. It it breaks my heart to see that. I mean, it's changed people's brain. The way they function, they cannot, they won't ever be rid of it. No, and we and at some level, you have to understand that once you've got an addict, and I'll say this with fentanyl, or I'll say this with oxy, the way out of that is often methadone. Mm-hmm. But then you've got a methadone addict. You right. don't get out of the addiction. You're just replacing it with another one that is less toxic. But that's your lifestyle from mm-hmm. that point on. And quite frankly, if you're on fentanyl and it's five bucks a pill, but your 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 methadone is ten, what are you gonna do? You're gonna choose the cheaper to get through that system, right? Uh, so the whole the whole thing well, is wrong. And in in some of our police officers have seen now that peop- they're starting to see people on methadone 
also going and doing drugs because it, it gets it even higher. Yeah. And, and, and so I think, so where do we break away from what we've created and get the right tools? And so, you know, I mean, this kind of leads into the jail discussion or mental health facility. Do they need to be one? Do they need to be separate? Do we need to go back to where we have, um, you know, mental health facilities that have, I, I don't really know the answer, I guess, I, but we've got to do something. Yep. One, one compound, two facilities. That's that's my personal thought. Well, and then there needs to be, you know, um, sober living too. And we we need, but the the resources need to be there. So let's take a break, and we'll come right back and talk about it. We're kicking things off this November by giving away two hundred thousand in cash and free play. Score your share of this championship prize every Tuesday with hourly drawings starting at five p.m. Don't get sidelined. Claim one free entry every day. It's a battle on a gridiron with two hundred grand at stake. Use your Reef Rewards card to earn additional entries. Plus, save up to twenty-five cents off every gallon of gas at Lummy Bay Market. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. At Silver Reef Casino Resort, we've got that. Escape the hustle and bustle of the city and get ready for a fun and relaxation-filled getaway. Luxury hotel rooms? Yep. Championship golf? Mm-hmm. Top-rated casino with all the best slots and table games? Yes and yes. World-class dining at the region's best and Wine Spectator award-winning steakhouse? Yes, please. The total package is only missing one thing. You. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. Well, you've done the drill again, pulled that clunky AC unit out of the window and fired up the furnace as our weather has changed, but maybe it's time to say so long to that tired routine. Hi, I'm Joe T, and for my friends at West Mechanical, Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric, maybe it's time to consider going ductless. You've no doubt heard about ductless heat pumps, and a ductless system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating could be the perfect answer for you, especially if you've been getting by with baseboard heat, zone wall heat, or an inefficient electric furnace. Ductless heat pumps warm your home, but also keep you cool with air conditioning, guaranteeing year-round comfort. And they allow you to heat or cool only the rooms you want. The best thing about Ductless, though, is the money you'll save. With rebates and energy savings, some homeowners save up to $3,000 in the first year. And right now, West Mechanical has a system to meet your needs and financing options that meet your budget. They're the folks I trust to keep my family comfortable. Visit westmechanical.net today for a free assessment and find out whether a Mitsubishi electric ductless system is right for you. That's westmechanical.net. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Ashley Buttonshone. Here in the studio with me is Port Commissioner Ken Bell and my husband, Chad Buttonshone. Just for added entertainment this morning, I thought I'd bring my husband along. He's been kind of quiet, though. What do you think, Ken? Chatty Chad, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, thanks for the country music on the intro. So, you know, in the break, yep. again, we, we always sit here and chit-chat, but you were telling me you had a story That's about right. chatting with your son-in-law. Yeah, so like, we spent Thanksgiving down at my son-in-law my Son-in-law is a police officer down south, and um, we talked about a couple of things that are impactful. And one of the discussions was how we used to police. Mm -hmm. And we used to police where you had officers in the neighborhoods, and they walked. You had enough police officers that they walked the neighborhoods, and they knew everybody. They, They knew all the vendors and all the stores because they walked by them, or they drove by them, or they rode their bikes by them, and they they knew everybody everywhere. If you had a neighborhood, you knew who lived in every house, and you became familiar with those neighborhoods, and you and you knew who was going to be trouble, and you knew who was going to be not trouble, and who was going to help you if you ever needed help. And we have never given the resources to our policing community to get back to that. Mm -hmm. And and what we've done is we've isolated our police officers into cars, and all they do is respond to an emergency. And there was a day when they were your friend. They were, there was a day when they walked down the street and they knew your name. They'd walk into your shop and you'd give them a free cup of coffee or they'd, they'd, they knew you by name. And policing was done in a different way. And quite frankly, this is the same way with, with we were talking about addiction earlier. It's the same thing. We knew who the people who were going to be in trouble and, and the community came around them. We didn't look to some outside agency to, to make that happen for us. We took responsibility for our neighbors. Yeah. And we walked the blocks and we knew who everybody was on the block. But now we live in these pods. We go live in our house. We get in our little pod and we go to a work pod. And we don't interact with people along the way other than the people who are in those pods. And 
we if we slowed down life a little bit and we took responsibility for who our neighbor was and what they were doing and who they were talking to and how we related to them, I think we'd turn a lot of this around. Well, it's amazing how nosy we've become in everyone's lives, but we just don't care about our neighbor, really. You don't. And what you care about now is how many likes you get, how many, how, what adrenaline rush you're going to get on the next social media platform. Mm-hmm. You don't really know anybody. Nope. You know, we, the, the idea of having a deeper connection with somebody is long gone. And really long conversations over a cup of coffee is where lives are changed. Like every every life that I've ever seen changed took place one on one with somebody who had a deep interest in that person. Mm-hmm. That's where real change happens, and all of these issues can be addressed with a deeper connection, and not necessarily an agency getting involved, and not necessarily a, a group of people who have your best interest at heart uh, coming to bear. It is you with a one on one connection with somebody that you care deeply about. That's that's what we need to get back to. Right. And so where do we take the turn here? I mean, what what can we what can we do with, you know, a jail or facilities or what what is something that we can do? I mean, you can't just turn the hose off. So we have to first of all, acknowledge where we are. We're, We're at a place where we've got we've got separate communities and we've got some that just need um, to be pulled out of society and given a place to stay that's humane because mental illness has taken over and it's not coming back there. The day is over where we can just say, you can go roam the streets and talk to telephone poles. I mean, there's nothing that breaks my heart more than seeing that guy who's sitting on the corner talking to his cardboard sign right, mm-hmm. or yelling at, give those place people a place where they have meaning Um, And that is one facility. Chad, you were talking about separate facilities. That mental illness has advanced to the point where it needs treatment and it needs a place. And that person needs a reason for living. And that reason for living may be a garden or it may be a, a job of some kind that they can handle, right? That is one facility that's necessary. And then you've got the treatment facility where the people who aren't too far gone. So I, I bifurcated it even more than you do. And that is to take people who are on the fringe and they have a reason to come back. Absolutely. That's a different place. And then you just have hardcore incarceration. I, I mean, one of the stories that I, I am publicizing is I've got a friend who was killed in a motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. And the man that killed him was released from jail. He was six years in jail, got off on probation. A year later, he's caught doing 120 miles an hour on 405 on his motorcycle, weaving out of traffic. The police can't pull him over. So they follow him in an airplane until he gets to a gas station. Then they confront him. They take away his bike, and they cite him, and they, he's no longer got a license. Seven months later— But he, due to the Blake decision, right? Due to the Blake decision. Yeah, he has cocaine in his bag. And the officer even says, "What can I take this guy in? And he goes, no, the Blake decision says it's personal use, so he, he gets let go. So here's a guy— Personal speeding, use cocaine. And he's got cocaine, and he's got marijuana in his bag, and he is let free mm-hmm. because the cop's hands are tied. Then seven months later, he's bombing down Highway 20, headed towards Anacortes, and the cop pulls out of that rest stop there and is following him. He doesn't. He knows he doesn't have a license. He knows he's just got pulled over. He's taken off because he knows that they're not going to pursue him because of the non-pursuit laws. Right. If he just gets through that red light, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Well, getting through that red light killed Bob Ray, mm. and he he killed him, and he walks away from this with head injuries, but he's a free man, and he was on the run. But here's a guy who had two warrants out for his arrest at the time. He was he had the uh, reckless driving for the speeding. He was he had a warrant out for rape, and he was on the street. And then he, now he's got a um, vehicular homicide, mm-hmm. right? So now he's got three charges. But why did it take that, right? The, the, again, the policing is, is backwards. We, we care more about vic- victims' rights, or we, we care more about the criminals' rights than we do the victims' rights. Right. Here's a man who, if he had been put away for any one of those charges. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's why you're here, Ted. Yep. <laughs> any one of those charges, he would not have killed Bob Ray. Right, and, and, cause every, and every, every crime committed has a victim. And it's become, we're... we're we don't we, we don't ha- we're not able to house them anymore here either oh, is the problem. Here's my favorite. We're out shopping <laughs> with my daughters yesterday and there are people that 
watching you whether or not you're stealing something, and they're watching me or they're watching my wife if this, something's going on. But there are people going out of the store with carts full of stuff, mm-hmm. and they don't have the authority in the store to stop it because someone will get sued. And the police don't bother because they can't arrest them anyway. There's no place to take them. So here's a shopping cart of stuff going down the street. They're more concerned about the petty theft that's going on inside that they can slap the hand and say, don't, don't do that. But cartloads are going down the street. It's nuts. It is nuts. And, and it's, it's growing quite a bit here in Whatcom County. It's not just an outside issue anymore. So. And that feeds the addiction. So those people does. are stealing. So that they can sell those things. In the parking lot so that they can get their $25 worth of high for the day. So let me go back to economic development. Okay, let's do um, it. Cleaning up cleaning up has got to happen. Um, and, and we've got to stop being, I hate to say compassionate, because I think the most compassionate thing you can be is to let somebody fall mm-hmm. um, and build their way back up. Because a lot of life lessons are learned in the in the. Most of my life lessons were learned when I got slapped down a little bit and I got and I had to learn my way back up. But compassion doesn't always cure it. Um, so we have to be careful with our compassion and make sure that we're doing cap- com- logical compassion and not compassion without the logic, just giving things away to somebody who's going to abuse it. And I, again, I say, and I've said it a hundred times, probably on this airwave, the, every day that you let somebody be addicted, is a day of their life that you've taken away. And then the most precious thing that you've got as a human being is a day in your life. We, we don't get time back. Money is irrelevant in this equation. Time is important. Right. We lose time. We've lost the most valuable thing we've got. And we can't allow people to just do drugs one more day. One more day. If we just give them another, They'll get over this. Someday they'll hit bottom, or someday they'll get through this. No, they won't. You've taken, you've stolen something very valuable from that human being. That you've stolen time. But the sad thing is, the reality in in fixing this right now is that we are at least five, six, seven years away from changing this in Whatcom County because of our current situation. Correct? Because in order to build a jail or facilities, it's going to take a long time. So, so Ken, we have to get off. Go oh, ahead. Keepers, creepers. If I, as an individual, <laughs> wanted to make a positive change in the community, what would I have to do? I don't have time to answer that question. Not a problem. Well, we should start thinking about it. Maybe we'll have you back on. We'll talk more about that next time. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Now you can go do some shopping. Have a good weekend.